Thank you. Okay, great. So it's recording. Wonderful. Yay. Um, just on that note, so we have podcasts um, of the sermons because we know that sometimes you're traveling or you miss it or you're out with kids, ministering, hint, hint. Um, and so the podcasts have, um, are uploaded. Um, and so we are currently up to date with the podcasts. Um, so if you, or if you just kind of want to digest a little bit more, um, you're welcome to go and have a listen to those. They are out on Spotify and iTunes. Um, um, if you aren't 100% sure where those links are, if you are in the Rivers of Joy um, group chat, um, you just go to um, the documents and links and media. It's under the links. Um, it will be there. Cool. Um, let me just time myself because Yanni, everybody knows I like to talk. There's, there's no shame in that. Cool. So today I'm going to be chatting to you about fruit of the vineyard. And so I, um, I just want to read to you from John 15 verse 1 to 5. If you can kind of open up your phone slash Bible slash, um, I don't know, wherever you get the Bible from. John 15, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 5. <clears throat> you know, it ties in quite nicely with what we were singing today about making room for him. Um, it tied in with the communion message as well. Um, and just this idea of being in a place of surrender. And so in John 15, verse 1 to 5, it says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He takes away every branch that does not bear fruit in me. He prunes every branch that bears fruit so that it will bear more fruit. You are clean already because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. just want to quickly highlight there, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. We have been called to bear fruit, but only if we remain in him. Our whole purpose on earth, the reason why we don't just become saved and go poof, into heaven we go, is because we've been left on this earth to bear fruit, to bear witness to who he is and to his kingdom. And so we have been called to bear fruit. I'm just quickly going to pray. That's cool. Yeah, Lord, I just I thank you so much that your word is so full of rich metaphors that show us in a worldly way what a kingdom principle looks like because we just don't understand always. We're saying today, your way is better. Your way is better. It says in your word that your ways are not my ways. Your ways are higher than mine. And so, Lord, I just I thank you that we don't always understand, but that you've tried to make it as bite-sized and as simple for us to get. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the richness of it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes understanding your word possible. And so we pray for just this morning that you would... Um, just by your Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us what needs to be revealed? In your name, amen. Cool. So I did a bit of research because 
why not? If we take a look at fruit of an actual vineyard, right? We look at table grapes, all right? So just regular grapes, green grapes, red grapes, all the other grapes, table grapes. 27% of the world's grapes are used for that. Consumed as off tree, gets cleaned off, washed off and all the rest, and then gets sent your way and then you go and buy it out of Loshra or Lulu or whatever, all right? 20%, 27% of the world's grapes get consumed in that way. Wine, 71% of the world's grapes gets used for wine. Raisins and other dried produce, about 2%. And the remaining 1% is used for things like vinegar, juice, grapeseed oil, extract, and pomace. So a little bit of agricultural kind of lesson today, but here we go. So grapes are planted in the late winter to early spring months. The plants start to grow in spring and continue to grow throughout the summer season. Grapes ripen in the late summer to early fall, depending on the variety that has been grown. Now, what's important for us to note, and I'm going to be drawing a couple of parallels just between what we understand about fruit of the vineyard and kind of what that means for us spiritually and how that applies to our lives right now. So our lives bear fruit depending on how we submit to the vine in every season, all right? The grapes on that vine, the, the sweetness of it, whatever it is, the, the future of that grape is dependent on how it submits in every season. It's planted late winter, it grows in spring and summer, and then it eventually is um, uh, ripened early fall. All four seasons are involved. And so that's the whole point of a grape, I think. It's just the beauty of the fact that it submits to the vine in every single season. And it's the same with us. When things are difficult, we submit to the vine. When things are great, we submit to the vine. Even when things are meh. How we submit to pruning, how we submit to strengthening, how we support, uh, submit to support, and how we submit to feeding. All, dependence, all, de- um, <clears throat> all depends on the fruit that we produce. So the process. The natural fruit of a vineyard is transformed into different products that are of far more value than the natural fruit. Doesn't mean table grapes aren't great. They are. I had some this week. I like grapes. But when a grape is submitted to a process, the value of that grape increases. Often we think that because there is a fruit in an area in our lives that God has done with us. But what if it's only the beginning? What if I take this already sweet and beautiful fruit and I offer it to God? And he says, oh, I have plans for this fruit. But it's going to require a crushing. It's going to require a pressing, a dryness, a waiting, and sometimes even a toxic environment for it to be exactly what he wants it to be. A product that is expensive, that is sought after, and that brings richness and flavor to all those that get to partake in it. In Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since you have been declared righteous by faith, Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have also obtained access into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of God's glory. 
Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So grapes go through a process of crushing and pressing, and then it's left in an open vat to ferment. The skin cap would rise to the top, and then it'll be mixed through again and again by stomping. Because the skins contain the yeast required for fermentation, all right, so the, the stomping, like a really, that grape really needs to submit to a pretty painful process to release the yeast. Once the first stage of fermentation is complete, the wine needs to be stored in an airtight vat or barrels for the second part of fermentation, or what we call the aging process or that we would understand in terms of wine. Everything impacts the value and the depth and the quality of the wine. Of the wine, sorry, Time, the care that is put into it, the fruit that has been put into the vat or into the uh, process, and also what it is stored in. All of these elements impact the value, the richness, the depth, and the flavor of the final product. Now, making grape vinegar starts the exact same way. It goes through a process of crushing and pressing and then fermentation. The difference is, and this is really key for us to understand, the difference is that after the process of fermentation, the liquid remains open. So the difference is wine goes into an airtight container and the vinegar stays open. The alcohol then turns to acid, making a vinegar. So basically, if the wine liquid is not sealed properly, it becomes sour, it becomes a vinegar. When we submit fully to God's process in our lives, the fruit we yield and offer up may go through a a painful process. I can guarantee you now, it's not like this kind of, you've hit the jackpot, you become saved and everything's just fine. You are going to go through a difficult process, especially when you offer up your fruit. Especially, I mean... Look at, like, band, for example. Like, I've been doing this since I was 12, right? Uh, I love it. It I I love music with everything inside of me, and I'm so grateful that I am a Christian and that I get to use it in a setting where I get to offer that up to him as praise and worship. Um, I was involved in the school's high school band this last week, and I was looking at these kids. I mean, they've got so much talent and so much skill musically, but they just don't have an outlet. And I was just so grateful again for the fact that I'm part of a church, that I've grown up in a church my whole life so that I can use what I've been given, not just for people to hear because that's really not what's important. It's for him. That fruit, I get to offer it week after week after week, and man, that's exciting. But I can tell you that when you want to go deeper and you offer that fruit up, there is going to be a crushing. There is going to be a pressing. When that happens, he develops us in places of quiet and in rest in him, in our secret time, in the hidden away spaces. If we do not fully submit and we never spend that time in our secret place reflecting and thinking about what is going on, then the thing that was meant to be a beautiful wine becomes a vinegar. Do not give up because you will end up being sour and bitter. Just want to quickly just point to that. 
last week, we, um, two weeks ago, Ray preached on, did you think to pray? And that's what this is talking about, is that when the crushing and the pressing comes, how much time do you spend in your secret place talking to God about it? And how much play, time do you spend talking to other people and airing it? This is where the difference comes in. When I take this thing to God, I'm not saying do not confide in people, but when I take this thing to God truly, and I speak to him, he's going to take that crushing and that pressing, that pain, that painful process, and he's going to turn it into something beautiful in my life. But if I only ever talk about it, if I only ever air it, if I only ever complain, and if I only put it on Facebook and complain and on my soapboxes and on my friends, and every single time someone talks to me, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's going to become something that is sour and bitter and something that God started off. This, like that scripture says that he will work things for the good of those that love him. This is it. Like he will take that thing that's been awful, something that has happened to you, and if you take it to him and you really press into him, he's going to turn it into something of great value instead of sour and bitterness. Raisins, on the other hand, have to have a desert experience to become sweeter. All right, a grape, there's some of them that hit you in the back of the throat because they're so sour and you're like, I wasn't expecting that. But a raisin is almost obnoxiously sweet. It's true, I'm not a fan. They hit you right in the feels. Like you can almost feel the skin between your teeth and your eyes starts going funny. Like, ooh, near donkey. So the process here is that the grapes have to be dipped in a solution first uh, before they are dried. Um, and so... What's important here is that when you go through a desert experience, right, there's going to be an exposure to sun, a dryness, right? And if you are not dipped in the Holy Spirit, if you're not saturated by the Holy Spirit, you're going to rot. There's not going to be a drying. There's not going to be a sweetness that's going to come from it. I'm telling you now, I will not succumb to rot in the uncomfortable and dry seasons in my life because he will sustain me. That's the same way Jesus survived. I mean, he was in the desert for 40 40 days, right? And he didn't succumb to rot. He didn't succumb to temptation because he just kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was filled by the Spirit. And that's why Jesus lived on this earth, to show us what it is to be man filled by the Holy Spirit. So that when we get put into our desert experiences, because we all, I mean, we're all in the desert right now, right? For those that thought that they were coming to a desert island, you read wrong. Mm-hmm. Know it, girl. To make grapeseed oil, the seeds need to be crushed, and they're exposed to a toxic solvent called hexane. The toxicity around you cannot determine your outcome. It can only enhance what he has placed in us. How many of you are in a toxic work environment? (laughs) Well, way too many people from my school just put their hands up. (laughs) Jesus, take the wheel. I can be put in the most toxic of places, but if I'm filled by the Spirit of God, Hopefully, just hopefully, I can make what's around me just a little bit sweeter, a little bit more filled with the Spirit, just a little bit more like the Spirit. The promise 
is made of crushed skin, seeds, stems, and leaves from the harvest and is, um, and is used for compost. Even what we may seem as waste or worthless in the process God is taking us through is going to be what is going to be used to cultivate the next crop in your life. I do not believe that we serve a God of wasted seasons. COVID was not a wasted season. Even the things that we saw as waste, he has used and he's put it into the soil that's going to grow the next lot of fruit in your life. That we get to yield to him all over again. Nothing is a waste. So, why offer my fruit? Because this seems painful, right? I'm like, eh, let's be a table grape. You know, this is kind of where things get a little bit difficult when we're looking at the prophetic around us. I mean, I've received so many prophetic words in my life, I could write an entire book just on that. And it's great. And I know people always mean well. And I mean, I've had so many people, oh my gosh, I see so many CDs and so many albums. I'm just using that voice because that's just what things sound like in my head. I, I mean, no offense, but it's just everything sounds like that in my head when I'm repeating somewhere else. I apologize. I will change my voice. Um, oh, my word. I see so many. No, that's not better. Uh, normal voice. People have told me that they see me performing in front of thousands of people, and, so, and it's great. And honestly, those words are super-duper encouraging, and that's fantastic, and it's great. And, but then what happened with that was that I became a little bit um, disappointed in the now. I became disappointed in the 100 people, right? But... If the Holy Spirit can stop what seems to be an incredible move of the Spirit, this happened at Rivers before, we were in the, the previous building, and we were really just getting off, and like the Holy Spirit was just pouring down of us, and both Ray and I, at the exact same time we were leading together at that time, both of us just felt to pull back. And there was one lady that sat in that room who was feeling incredibly uncomfortable, and the Holy Spirit knew, and he told us to pull back. And that was something that was a massive catalyst in her actually coming to Christ. And it's just, if he, can, if he can be focused on one person in a room, then surely it doesn't matter whether the scale of what we do is 100 people or one person or 1,000 people or a million people. It's about how I use my gift. It's about how I offer my fruit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What the, what the outcome is, or the grandeur. It doesn't matter if the king drinks the wine or if a servant drinks the wine. The point is that the grape yielded to the process and became that wine. I offer my fruit because of the Holy Spirit. He's often compared to the fruit of the vine because when... We abide in the vine and we live in the vine. The product of our lives is the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, right? The deeper I press into Jesus, the more evident the Holy Spirit is in my life. The deeper I press into the vine, the more evident the Holy Spirit would be in my life. The greater the trial he takes me through, the greater the anointing. There is something about an oil that gets created. All right, the, I mean, an olive goes through a crushing and a pressing. Everything that produces something other than itself goes through that. It has to get broken down. It has to, it, it's, not, it's not 
nice. I made that prayer. I spoke about it a little while ago. Um, I prayed that prayer um, at the beginning of 2020. I'm not saying I'm responsible for COVID, but I... In that January, I was just like, God, I'm yielding to the crushing and the pro. And then COVID happened, and my whole life fell apart. I was like, oh, really? I'm joking, of course. Because having a nice worship set or having a good conversation or something, it's just not good enough. It's just not enough. Because we need an anointing. We need to be saturated by the Spirit so that everything that we do has a greater meaning, a deeper meaning. Ephesians 5 verse 15, it says, Therefore consider carefully how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled with by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The day of Pentecost, the manifestation of the Spirit, looked like they were drunk on wine. There is a constant parallel drawn in the Bible, and I want anointing, not gifting. If you want to just be good at your job, cool. But if you want to be anointed in what you do, even in your workplace, (laughs) that's going to take a bit of a process. Are you willing to offer up that fruit, even your job? Right? Remember, we, we... we try and separate the sacred and the secular. We try and go like, this is, no, no, this is my church life and this is my, 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 my not church life, right? But there is no hats that we take on and off. You are Sarah. Whether you are functioning as a mother, as their home teacher, as someone at Rivers, as a friend to other people, you are you. There is no hat that comes on and off. And so if I want to be the best me, the best version of who he created me to be in my workplace, as a mother, as a friend, as a pastor, as a whatever, I have to yield to the process of offering up everything in my life. I will surrender. I will make room over and over and over again so that he could take what I have brought to the table and make it thousands better, thousand times better. I'm going to say this in italics because I don't want to say it too loud, but I'm okay with the trials in my life, in italics. Just putting it in there. Because of what it produces in me. I don't like it, but it's worth it when you see the big picture. If If I give up in the worst of times, the enemy wins. I've seen so, so, so many discouraged people, so many discouraged worship leaders, I mean, how many people have we heard of in the last three years that have just turned from faith? People that we respected, people on the world stage, people that were like, had these massive ministries and you think, yes, like you're one day when I'm big, eh? I'm going to be like that. I don't want to be like that because there was obviously something severely wrong with the process. 
And it sucks because it happens not just to people on the big stage. The only reason why we're aware of it is because they're on the big stage. What about the person sitting next to you? Are they battling? Are you struggling? How many of you are sitting here and you've had, you feel like you've had your calling destroyed, stolen, or killed? Prophets, priests, and kings were anointed with oil, which is a direct link to the Holy Spirit. The gist of all of that, I'm not going to really go into the oil component of this. We, <laughs> it, it, there's a lot more to that. But the gist of it is that the Holy Spirit is the anointing, and the anointing oil are synonymous. If my car doesn't have oil, my engine will cease. Right? If I don't have the oil, the anointing oil of the, of the Spirit, if I'm not abiding in the vine, which produces the fruit of the Spirit, which is likened to oil of anointing, if I don't have that process in my life, my engine will cease. The things that are supposed to make me who I am will cease to exist. The things that he has called me to be, the things that he has called me to do will cease to exist. Does this make sense so far? Are we okay? All right, cool. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has chosen me. He has commissioned me to encourage the poor, to help the brokenhearted, to decree the release of captives and, freeing the, uh, and the freeing of prisoners, to announce the year when the Lord will show his favor. Do you know what I love about this? Is that we, th- we think that when someone is super-duper anointed, that means that they need to preach in front of like thousands, they need to have 14 book deals, and they need to have their name on the side of a bus, I think. I don't know. But it says that even Jesus, it says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I mean, this is an Isaiah foretelling. Jesus also says this in the New Testament. But to encourage the poor, that, that was what the anointing was used for. To encourage the poor, to help the brokenhearted, and to see captives released. Like I said, it was made reference to in Luke 4 verse 18. In Acts 10, verse 34, then Peter started speaking. I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. But in every nation, the person who fears him and does what is right is welcomed before him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John announced with respect to Jesus from Nazareth, that God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all were who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. The Holy Spirit brings an anointing that sets people free. Now I want my life to look like that because we all have access to that. For that to happen, though, I need to offer up my fruit. Whether it's a grape or an olive, whatever metaphor you decide to use, whatever it is that I offer, he will put through a process and he'll bring a product that produces the spirit, which produces anointing in my life, and it's anointing that breaks the yoke. That is why, I, I mean, we see a lot of Christians that are still in bondage. 
we see a lot of people that are still in bondage. We have an entire world that's in bondage. And it's because there's a lack of anointing, I think. I think we, we have forgotten the importance of anointing. I think we've, we've forgotten the effect of anointing. And I, and I want to show to you that in, in Acts 10, it says there is no favoritism. There is no favoritism. There is no classism. There is no racism. There's no nepotism. There's no favoritism. All the isms. They do not exist in the kingdom of God. Doesn't matter what your job is. Doesn't matter what your income is. Doesn't matter what your passport is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. I'm telling you now, at, in this church, you're all welcome. We celebrate difference because that's the way God made us. There are different grapes all over the world. Why? Because each one brings a different flavor and a different value. All equally as valuable. Just different in richness and taste and flavor. Could you imagine everything in the world tasted the same? Oh, my dear Lord, no. That's why we're all so different. Do not despise the tough seasons where you feel like you cannot take any more pressure or dryness or waiting. Do not turn a blind eye to what God is wanting to produce in you because he needs that greater anointing because gifting and personality and clever arguments is not what will break the yoke of slavery and sin in people. Standing on our little soapboxes and social media and proclaiming what we believe is the truth, that is not going to set anybody free. That's going to open up a can of worms. Different kind of setting free. Thanks, Nicole. Do not get apologetic about the words he has spoken over you. Isaiah 10 verse 27, it says, make, uh, um, oh, it makes reference to a bull being so fat, so full of oil that the yoke breaks clean off. The more Holy Spirit anointing, the more freedom you experience in your own life and what we get to um, have others experience. This world, this nation needs sons and daughters who have submitted to his full work that are full to the brim with the Holy Spirit anointing uh, wine and oil. This is why we abide in the vine and why we need to protect the fruit of our vineyard from foxes. Because he is interested in bringing out an anointing in you that will allow the Holy Spirit to save, set free, and heal. We are called to live like this. We are all royalty and a priesthood, which means that we have all been anointed. It's priests that were anointed, and if we have all been called to be a royal priesthood, that means every single one of us are anointed. You've been called to be anointed, but it's going to take a process, and it's going to take a willingness of you to offer up what you've got. Just as a quick sidebar for like a minute, the foxes in the vineyard, there are certain things that can seal the fruit in your life. There are three types of foxes. They're the ones that were in the vineyard already. Right, So when you got the vineyard, they were inherited. And those are generational things. Now, I want you to understand that there, um, when Jesus died on the cross, the covenant, the new covenant, took care of generational curses. Because if we're saying that those things still exist, we're saying that the work of the cross was not enough. Right? There are some things that cling on a little bit more. 
And those just kind of need Jesus to look at you and be like, mm, out. All right? And he's put that power in every single one of us, his power, his spirit, right? To kind of speak to those things and tell them to cheers, mate. But I want you to understand that generational curses have been broken because of the new covenant. The work of the cross was enough, will always be enough. That's the one. The second kind of fox are the ones that the enemy sends in, and they're normally on fire. Sends foxes your way, like, eh, go have fun in their vineyard, and then you're like, ah, and then you're putting out a fire here, and then you're putting out a fire here, and it just feels like everything's going wrong. Kick the fox out the vineyard, stop putting out the fire. Then deal with the fire. Logically. The third kind of fox are the ones that we let in. Areas in our life where we allow foxes into our life to steal the fruit. You know this isn't a good idea and you still do it. Right? And so we need to get rid of those foxes. Why? Because we need to protect the vineyard. Why? Because we need to protect the fruit. Why? Because the fruit is going to produce whatever it will produce within its season. Why? Because that gets used by him to create an oil a wine, whatever it is. Why? Because we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are anointed. Why? Because this world needs us to be anointed, to be set free. So if we could all stand real quick. Uh, Shannon, maybe you can come. Is that okay? Is everyone okay with what I shared? Like, are you, are you okay? Are you with me? Okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, if, you, if you're comfortable with this, you can kind of close your eyes, maybe put out your hands or something. Lord, I want to pray just in a way repenting for myself as well and for all of us, and just to repent for letting foxes into our vineyards that have come to to destroy and to steal and kill, because that's what the enemy does. It's got one plan. And Lord, we protect this fruit that you've given us, this fruit that you grow in us. We pray a protection over that. And Lord, I want to pray for hearts right now that aren't even connected to the vine yet. That have never said, actually, Jesus, I want to be a part of this. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, and I want to be a child of God. If that is you, if you're like, what is this vine thing that you're talking about? I don't understand. If you're not connected to the vine, and you'd like us to pray for you today, please come forward. I'll give you a moment. It is open and it is free to any of us. I also secondly want to pray for anyone today that feels disconnected from the vine. Because it says that there are two kinds of branches. The ones that's connected that bear fruit, but you still go through a pruning. 
he still cuts it off so that it can produce even better fruit and more fruit. There are some that have been cut from the vine. You feel disconnected and you feel like you're on a pile somewhere dry and isolated and deserted. And if that is you today, and you're just like, man, I just really need to reconnect. Please come. I'd love to pray for you. And then the third group I'd like to pray for today is if you haven't fully surrendered to his process. And you're just like, oh, Lord, I want to be more. I want to live for more. I don't want to just wake up, go to work, do my thing, come home, and then come on a Friday, have this experience, and then go home again. I need more. I want your anointing. I want your spirit to pour out of me. If that's you, come. And then I also want to pray, lastly, for anyone that has been through the crushing and been through the pressing and you're disappointed, you're discouraged. I'd like to pray for you because it says that endurance produces character and character hope. And if you've lost your hope, you've lost sight of what it is that you surrendered to in the first place, that is you, come. I'm gonna pray for you. Spirit, we just thank you that you that you move. And we pray, Lord, would you bring out of us just the beauty of your anointing and your presence. We thank you that when we are in you and when we abide in you, it's a process, it's a seasonal thing. It is in and it's out and it's all over, but it is beautiful. And Lord, I want to pray this morning for those that feel that they've lost that anointing, that they've lost that presence in their life and over their life. Father, I pray, would you do something new? That song, it talks about bringing a new new wine. Thank you, Lord, that you make us new.